Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child. Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. For the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm So that's next week. Um, if you were like me and studied and thought the Apostle Paul died in the first century, Rome, you probably didn't know he actually escaped, became an associate pastor, changed his name to Bob, <laughs> and now lives in Uxbridge. Uh, no, appreciate that for, for Bob doing that. So that's going to start next week. We're gonna, it's a really sobering, um, powerful letter that Paul wrote to Timothy right before he died for his faith, and we want to uh, take some weeks to go through that starting next week. Um, this week, though, I, I wanted to spend one more week just thinking about um, what the resurrection of Christ has produced. 
And uh, if you're visiting with us, the baptism or something like that, it, you're actually going to get my two uh, go-to illustrations I've used many, many times, the top two in one message. So consider yourself blessed. Go play the lottery. Don't do that. Okay. Um, first is the box of problems. Who's got one of these? Anybody? Somebody? Um, somehow a roll of toilet paper got in here, and I'm not really sure. figure it's kind of fitting, probably. Uh, and, and so, basically, this represents whatever's weighing you down today. You know, stresses, anxieties, pains, and, and, and uh, it's a painful world. And so, a lot of what, what Peter writes this letter to those experiencing a lot of pain. So, maybe you're, you're kind of, it's pretty light right now. I mean, you got it, but you're, you're able to kind of skip around. But some of you, like, it's weighed down so much that, like, you feel like you can't even pick it up, right? You're just chained to it grief or pain or whatever it might be. And it's a painful world. This box of problems um, that, that we all got to carry can, can really, really weigh us down. Um, and so the resurrection of Christ has given us something within that. It's a living hope. It's kind of like because of the problems, sometimes our life feels like, uh, at least earlier this morning, the clouds are just closing in and dark. But what Peter gives us is this is hope. It kind of looks like this picture here, right? Can you put it up for me? I'm frozen. Put it up for me. Are you frozen too? There you go. That was supposed to be dramatic, but now you got it, okay. Um, so you're still in a painful world, and the clouds are still dark, and the, the box can be heavy. But there you see the hope that's fixed. And it's because of that living hope that we can live in this painful world. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to uh, your word, I would ask you, Lord, to do what only you can do. I pray you'd get me out of the way um, that you would do in each life that's here what your plan, your glorious plan is. Lord, there's people that need to be encouraged in this painful world. There's some that need to be convicted. They're not trusting you. You know. So use the word. We're so grateful that Peter wrote this a long time ago, and yet it's maybe even more appropriate for us this morning. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. So, uh, if you were going to actually be, if you want to follow along, I'll put it up on the screen. But if you have a Bible and you want to follow along, it's 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 3. Just look at a few of these verses as he begins this, this letter. Um, by the way, if you don't own a Bible, one of those that you see in front of you or around you somewhere, that's our gift to you. Take that. We'll replace it. Okay? Um, so it just, you know, because you guys know, I always say this, context is everything. You don't want to take things out of context. So, so Peter's writing this letter decades after when we kind of saw the resurrection and all that happen. Like, he, he, Jesus kind of promised you're going to be a key leader, right? And, and now decades later, he's, he's turned into that key leader in the early church. But he's writing this letter to Christians in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. Um, but most of them, if not all of them, had a Gentile background. They didn't have a Jewish background. Uh, and, and they were living with neighbors. There were Greeks and Romans. And it was a culture that we would probably recognize ourselves. Spirituality, but not one God. Not much of morality. You kind of make it up as you go. 
hyper, hyper sexual culture, which is always where you go when you don't trust the Lord, right? It's always, always the end game. And that's what, and so, so there, he's writing to encourage them because they're going through pains and sufferings of trying to follow Christ against the grain of culture. But they also are experiencing the griefs and pains of this broken world, losing people and and, and broken relationships and hardships, right? The box of problems. So they got all this going on, and Peter writes this to encourage them, right? He, and he, and, he, and he, I just love, you look at verse 3 with me, he says this, Blessed be God, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Exclamation point. That's how he starts. You're suffering? Bless God, right? The greatest prescription to pain is praise, a lot of peas there. You can remember that. Right? And you'd think, right, that, that you get praise when things are going well. And you should, because all blessings flow from God. So you should praise God when, man, you're experiencing a great blessed time in your life. But I am saying, like, Peter's just kind of immediately encouraging them. You bless God. Like, no matter what you're weighed down this morning, make sure your, your heart and your eyes look up. Because if not, all you see is that box. And he says, bless me. But there's a reason. We're not just doing it because we're in church. He says, according to his great mercy. His great mercy. Because he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It produces something for us. It's called a living hope. Right, I, I honestly didn't think I was ever going to do this illustration again, but here we go. A lot of juice has died over the last couple of weeks because of this. And if, you, and if you're, you were with us on Palm Sunday, we were looking at the prayer of the garden, Jesus' agonizing prayer, and he said, pass this cup. And this is a giant cup, and if you remember, um, it, it wasn't sometimes we think of just the physical torture that he knew he was going to have to face on the cross. The reason he was, he was sweating drops of blood is because he was facing this cup, and it was the cup of God's wrath, God's judgment that comes on all sin. And he knew that though he was sinless, that on the cross, and on Good Friday we celebrate that, he was going to have to, as he was on that cross, experience every drop of God's wrath that I should have and you should have experienced, and he drank it all. And so when Peter says, his great mercy, that's what he's talking about. That he died for us. He drank every drop. But if he had stayed dead and stayed buried, how pathetic we would be. We may as well not come out of the water. There'd be no reason. Because that would be a dead hope, which isn't hope at all. But we have a living hope because three days later, he was raised. And that, Peter says, changes everything. That you and I have a living hope. So, bless God. Look, whatever's going, in, going on with you right now, whatever hardship, whatever tears, bless God. Because you have a living hope that will transcend and break through all of that. All of those things that weigh you down. Because hope is alive. Because Christ is alive. It's not a dead hope. Somewhere along the line, the word hope kind of got synonymously used with like a wish or dream or a maybe. No, 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 no. That's not what this word means. It is a hope. 
It is a, it, so it's, it's something that's in the future. We're already experiencing some parts of it t- now, which we call the already not yet. And that's sort of the whole point of this. In a painful world, live with hope. It's like, like you see it, it's there, and it is certain. It is certain. And that's why we praise God. It's certain because Christ is risen. He is alive. And so shall we be. And so this painful world doesn't change quite yet for us. But we know that hope is certain. And so I want, like, he, um, it's one long sentence, so I'm just going to bring you back, right? It says, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then verse 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It's kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So it's an inheritance. Your hope is an inheritance. We got any trust fund people here? You got millions coming? We'll talk after, right? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I knew it was that kind of church. No, no, no. It's fine. Plus, I doubt that's the case here. But imagine. Isn't it a fun thing to imagine? It's your, you got this trust fund, you got millions ready, it's just, you know, you need to reach a certain age or someone needs to die, right? Something needs to happen, and it's coming, right? It's certain. You've seen the paperwork. The lawyers have figured it out. You know, so you might get an allowance. You get some of it, right? And that already not yet, but it's still not yet. But it still changes how you live, right? It changes how you plan. It changes how you might look at the world because you know it's coming. It's an inheritance, and, and here's what, what Peter's saying, is the inheritance we have in Christ, the living hope inheritance that we have is so much greater that I don't care if it's billions of dollars. And if we're going to be honest, I bet there's at least someone here who's like, I don't know, that would be a tough decision for me. Like if we had on the table a, a trust of a billion dollars that you're going to inherit or this living hope or the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it'd be like, eh. And I think it's because we don't quite know yet what this really is. And someday in heaven, when you experience it, if you were given that choice, you're going to be like, no way. Because this is so much better. Why? One, it's indestructible, right? It's, it's imperishable. Everything you think is good here, it will rot, rust, or be destroyed. But not what's being kept for you in heaven. Right? It's, it's not only that, but it's undefiled. Everything in this world, even if it's the most beautiful thing you have, it's tainted by this broken world, by sin. But what, what's in heaven? Everything you see, oh, man, this is really great. Times are by a billion. It's so much greater. That's what's waiting for you. But my favorite, it's unfading. It won't fade. It won't. It never gets boring. It never loses its luster, ever. Like, everything you own. Like, think of something you love. Maybe uh, uh, you just bought a new car, truck. Right, you set of wheels. Here's how I know you love it. Because when you go to the store, no matter how many spots are open, or maybe even church back here, you're, you're in the back, right? And you, you park in such a way that takes up 18 spots somehow. Because nobody can get anywhere near your beautiful, precious vehicle. Right? You're trying to keep it from fading. You know it's going to. Somewhere along the line, it's going to get a dent. It's going to get a little, it's going to rust. It's going to be. You're just trying to stave that off as long as you can. But you know it's going to fade. How about your beauty, man? We got some young people here. You are some beautiful people. Beautiful hair, beautiful skin. Man, it feels like, like some of you guys, you got the eight-pack abs, right? Right? Like you're chiseled. 
And you think, oh, I'm going to keep this. I don't care, ladies, if you bathe in essential oils. It's fading. Any amens here from some of our less young people? Okay. <laughs> At some point, you're going to hit 30, and you're just like, what happened? I, I don't, that never used to happen when I ate seven donuts and five slices of pizza, right? Now, it actually stays with me, right? You fade. Everything fades. But the inheritance, because of the living hope of Christ, will not fade. What I'm trying to get you to understand is heaven will never be boring. Like if you grew up like me and you're on Tom and Jerry, you ever seen those cartoons? They'd always have these scenes where they either go to hell or heaven. And it always like, like usually Jerry, he'd go to heaven and he'd be on a cloud playing some boring instrument. And I remember as like a six-year-old, uh, six-year-old, uh, looking at that cartoon and being like, well, that just seems kind of boring. I don't want to do that. That isn't heaven. You will never, it won't, not only will it never fade, but it will just get better and better and better and better and better. You will grow in a knowledge and an understanding of, of God and his presence. And everything you do and everything you experience will just keep getting better and never fade. This is the living hope, the certainty that you have. So yes, Peter says, it's a painful world. Yes, it's a painful world. But that hope, it's coming. And what you have and what is certain in Christ, man, it changes how you live in this painful world. So we have a present hope because of our future inheritance. So what he said, if you remember in that, in that verse, he said it changes your present. You're not just supposed to be like, well, all right, heaven's coming, so I'm just going to sit here and wait to die. Because what's the point of this life? Or if there's days, I get it. But that's not what you're called to do. He says, instead, you are kept by the power of God through faith. So your present is lived by faith through the power of God. So which is it? Is it God or is it me? Yes. It's God through you. Okay, so, so now, no matter what the box of problems, no matter what's going on, you live this present. You wake up and you say, I'm resting and trusting in the promises of God. I'm, 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 just, I'm, I'm walking one step at a time by faith because of the hope that I have. It changes your present, right? It changes it. It's kind of like um, driving a car. If you have a car, or someday we'll have a car, it also has fuel, right? It's probably gasoline. You might have one of those cool electric cars, whatever. It has fuel. You need it to run it. So think of, for the life that Peter's talking about, that our fuel is God's power. But for that car to go anywhere, you got to get in, turn the key, drive. Your life's the same way. That you need to get up and live by faith, but here's what you will know. That the power of God will keep you, sustain you, and get you through. Your car is never going to stall out and run out of gas. Because it's not your power, it's his. God will not take away every moment of suffering. And some of you know that all too well. I will tell you this, he takes a lot away that a lot of times we just don't know what, what, what he took. But there is stuff that he is doing something in. But here's what you can know. He will never let your suffering crush you. He will never let it destroy you. Because he's got you. And so we live. Sometimes limping. Sometimes running. By faith. Because of the living hope. Because Jesus is alive. So if we're in that already not yet, you knew. I told you our two biggest illustrations. So 
If you've never met our mascot, here he is, Mr. Rope of Hope, we call him, or her. I don't really know if there's a gender to this. Um, and so this, if you're visiting with us who've never seen this, consider yourself blessed. You now have met the Rope of Hope. And, 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 and what this is supposed to symbolize is your life, your life. You have a beginning. You were born. But regardless of what you believe, regardless, there's a truth, and that is you have an everlasting soul, so it goes on and on and on and on. It's just regardless of what you believe, that's the truth. It's you, and I want you to hear me because this world tells all kinds of lies, especially if you're young. I need you to hear me. You were made in the image of God. God made you with a special purpose and a special point to bring him glory. It's very important. To know your value is in him. Because, you know, when I thought about this, this rope this week and um, this topic, a few weeks ago I was invited, uh, Lauren, our children's director, went with me in Oxbridge, the Blissful Meadows. They did a, um, uh, a seminar. It was filled with doctors, social workers, teachers, some students, um, political people. Like every, like, and basically there was this cry of an urgent plea that we have a crisis a mental health crisis of our young people that we've never seen before. And they were, I mean, they, were so, like, they weren't just like, okay. Like, a couple guys were very passionate. Like, this has happened, and we got to do something about it. What do we do? Why did we get here? And I'm just going, don't say it, don't say it. You're right, just be happy you were invited. I'm looking at Lauren. And I know it's complex, and there's lots of reasons. I get that. But when you go decades now of telling our young people, that purpose and identity is found inside of you or in what you do or in what you achieve or in who you are and your identity, right? Like it's crushing not just our students but those of us who are older because this world is lying to you that your purpose is in the image of God in which he created you. And you can breathe because he's going to sustain you. He's going to keep you. And so when Peter talks about hope, He's saying, man, the struggles and painful world, it's just this green tape. And, and it shouldn't be this big, right, in comparison to all of eternity. This is just so some of you have eyesight like mine. You can see it. But it should be a sliver of it. Though this life might seem long in comparison to eternity, it is nothing. And in it, as you live and as you struggle and as you try to live by faith, you know the hope is coming. The living hope of our risen Savior and what is being kept in heaven for you is secure and it's there. And so, yes, sometimes through many tears and through pain, you bless God and you trust him through every circumstance. You trust him. When you fall, you trust him. When you fail, you still trust him because it's God and that's your purpose. And that's what the rope of hope teaches us. That's what Peter's trying to get these suffering Christians to remember that our present hope we have isn't just a, a wish, right? It's, it's who we are. You're not an animal, right? I know we're talking, we, and I know you like, like some of you, I've seen pictures, like you treat your dogs, your dog's birthday had a better ceremony than I did, right, for mine. Got her a cake, your dog's got a wardrobe that's more expensive than mine, right? Which isn't saying much, by the way. And, and, and you love your dog, and, and that's good. That's good. But trust me, your dog is not laying awake at night going, what is my purpose in life? Right? 
As long as your dog gets some good food, a pat, a little petting, and let out the pee on some trees once in a while, he's good to go. Sleeps like a baby. But you know there's something different about you because you were made in the image of God. You have a value and a purpose for all of eternity, and it's a hope now because of the risen Christ. And so we live different. So Peter kind of lands the thought this way, because I think it's almost like as he's writing, he's, he's thinking through the sufferings that these people are going through. Verse 6, he said, in this you rejoice. There it is again. You rejoice, worship, praise. There are now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. That's a very general word, that word trials. It, it, it can mean all kinds of things, and I think he chose it purposely because your trial right now is different than my trial, but it's still a trial. And he says, for, for, for if necessary... And, and so what, what, he's, what he's saying with these, this painful world, right? Look at verse 7. He says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is a lot. Here's what I think he's saying. Here's what I think he's saying. Is that your sufferings, there is purpose in every single one of them even if you can't see it, even if it's so painful, that God is doing something in your pain. He's producing something in your grief. He's, he's doing something in your cancer. He's doing something. And here's what I know, because but, but, this is kind of cool. He says that, that it results in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That usually means the end. Right? Like when, when Jesus comes and, and we'll be there, all believers gather, we will be there with him. Man, come, Lord Jesus. Maybe it'll happen before I finish preaching today. That'd be a great ending to the sermon. Well, guys, you don't need me anymore. Let's go, right? But you might die before Jesus comes. You might. But you will go right into glory if you're in Christ. And you'll ex begin experiencing that inheritance and that awesome uh, inheritance waiting for you. But it almost, it, it seems like what Peter's saying here is that even still, when it all comes to fruition and Christ is revealed, that there will be a special way that your sufferings and what God has done in them will bring praise, honor, and glory to Christ. And so even if you don't see why right now, and you don't have the answers to your questions right now, your hope is this, it will all be revealed and that God is doing something in my pain. He's doing something. There's purpose in it. And God will get the glory for it. Whatever you might be going through. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. Does that remind, if you were here with us last week, remember Thomas? But he's writing this to these Christians in Asia Minor, and he says, and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. Like, that's a lot of joy. When you have so much joy, like, I can't express it. I can't express it, right? Like, this isn't, yay, Jesus. This is, I'm like, I can't even describe how much joy I have. That's you despite the suffering, right? Despite you haven't even seen him like I have, Peter says, right? You're filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. 
Remember what he said. Thomas needed to feel his side and his hands and his wounds. And he said, that's great, Thomas, but blessed are those who have not seen and believed. And Peter's writing to them, you're those people, man. You didn't get a chance to walk and see him walk on water like I did. You didn't experience all that, but blessed are you. You didn't see him, but you've believed, and you have an inexpressible joy because of the living hope. And so we have this living hope in a painful world. We live in the already not yet. It's painful. That's why the rope of hope, it, it teaches you the green tape. You can walk through it by faith because you know it's coming, your inheritance. Another analogy I've, I shared with you is uh, my wife came up with years ago is the airport. Right? Recently, uh, we, my family got to go to Aruba. Never been there before. And uh, we had a really early flight. We were in the airport, and it was horrible. Uh, it was so early, the Starbucks wasn't even open. I'm like, this is of the devil. What are we doing with this? Right? And there's people crying, and there's kids crying. It was just, oh, it was terrible. Right? But I tell you what, my attitude was still pretty good. You know why? Because I knew it was coming. Right? And so I can endure this for a little while, for what's coming, that's this life. But God gave me one more analogy that I wanted to end and share with you. Um, so I need you to use your imaginations. You're in a house. Um, it's a family reunion. It's Christmas, Thanksgiving, someone's birthday, somewhere where the person in your life, whoever that is, maybe they're gone now, so you have to use your imagination. It's your grandmother. It's your mother. It's your, your dad, maybe. It's someone, and they're making that thing, right? That meal. Some of you are going to get hungry. Just forgive me, okay? That meal that when you eat it, you're like, this is what the angels eat in heaven. You know what I'm talking about? And it's a pasta dish. Maybe it's a turkey on Thanksgiving. I don't know what it is for you. Picture you there. You wake up wherever you are, and oh, it's already brewing in the kitchen, in your whole house. It's filled with this aroma. And you're like, oh, how am I going to wait till 5 or 6 o'clock? What am I going to do, right? And, and, and it's just, so you go down, right? And you go down in the kitchen. There's, you know, whoever, your grandmother, whoever it is. And they're humming away, cooking on the stove. You're like, oh. And they take a break, right? They have to go to the bathroom or something, and you go. Right? And you take a spoon. What do you do? Or a fork or whatever it is. And, oh, a taste. And then she comes back in the room and lovingly or maybe not so lovingly, slaps your hand away. Loves the fact you love her cooking, but man, you took a taste, but it's not yet time for the feast. And so you're like, oh. So the day goes on, and, and you get to about 4 o'clock, right? It's coming, you're starving, and that moron sibling of yours, or don't look at them if they're here with you right now, or their cousin or someone who's there, comes in with a box of three-year-old crusty danishes. Not the kind that Paul provides in between services, Paul. Those are always fresh, but the crusty kind. Maybe three days ago is pretty decent. It might be okay. And if you were starving on an island somewhere with nothing else, sure, you'd eat it. But he's mowing them. Dude, eat this Danish, you know? And you're just like, one hour I'm going to eat the feast. You want me to eat this crusty Danish? And I'm just here to tell you this world is full of crusty Danishes. Eat this. You're hungry. Eat this. Have this uh, uh, sexual affair. Cut this corner at work. This will satisfy you. 
And I'm telling you, if you try to kill sin just by gutting it out, you will lose. But if you keep your eye on the living hope, the feast that has come with the Lamb of God, get your danishes out of my face. I don't want that grossness. That's filling me up. That's, I want what's coming, my inheritance, the living hope of Jesus Christ. That's what's coming to you when you put your faith in him. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you. Come before your holiness. And I pray, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here who just doesn't know how holy you are, that if necessary, you'd you'd make yourself so real to them right now that they'd be terrified of how holy you are. That this life is not a game. They're a sinner before you, but you, in your infinite great mercy, you've provided salvation in your son, Jesus. And Lord, that you would open their eyes to believe this morning. To believe. Like all ten that got baptized this weekend, like me, like somebody else here, that they would come to the end of themselves and stop being so enticed by crusty Danishes and know the supper of the Lamb. They need faith. Give it to them, Father. Help them believe to say yes to Jesus. Lord, I ask for your supernatural comfort and peace on those in the room and those joining online as well. Whatever pains and trials and griefs are here, that they would feel and just know despite the pain that you know them, you hear them, you see them, you're with them, you have them. Help them to see it, Lord. Make your presence felt, I pray, in an amazing way this morning. And Lord, for all of us, fill us with what's coming, the inheritance. You rose, you conquered death, you conquered sin, you conquered evil. But this world is painful, and we wait. Help us to wait by walking in faith. We need your power through our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you can stand with us, go ahead. And if not, we'll worship where you are.